Welcome to the Search the Scriptures podcast, where we dive into scripture and provide the explanation of it in the most accurate light that we can. Search the Scriptures is a podcast that is dedicated primarily to the Christian, challenging our brothers and sisters along with ourselves to see if we have set aside the commands of God to set up our own traditions. To do this, we use scripture to explain scripture. Please join us on this journey. Here we go for another Bible topic Tuesday. This one should be a pretty interesting one. Is um, the subject? We'll just jump right into it. The subject is, or the question was: Should churches track believers' giving? If so, how far should accountability go? So uh, last week we was going over some of the questions that, that I received, and y'all said, "Hey, we should go ahead and do this one." So let's jump into it. Before I do, any comments on this? All right. Let's jump right into it. So Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. Yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Bring the full tithe into into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you blessing without measure. So Malachi chapter three, verses eight through ten. Uh, this is a verse that I think is brought up quite a bit when it comes to tithes and offerings uh, because of what it says here. But I do want to point out something that when it says, will a man rob God? Uh, many uh, what's what I'm looking for? scholars will say that this is not saying necessarily him when he says when he starts it off by saying will a man rob God uh, I guess a better translated is will mere mortals rob gods or their gods uh, talking about the other you know the, uh, the pagans basically asking those questions do the pagans act this way do they go in and rob their gods have you ever heard of something? Of course, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do such a horrible thing. But you are doing it to me. Questions or comments on this so far? And I'll go into another scripture where it kind of says similar. What you got, G? I've had someone uh, state this scripture to me in terms of attending uh, church. What is... I guess, what is the parameters in which this verse can be used? Can it be used for like spiritual gifts as well? Like, is that considered offering or is it just talking about financial tithing and offering? Well, we're going to dig into this a little bit more uh, because I guess some parallels maybe can be made to that or something. Uh, I think that it is obviously you know it can be used to shame someone and to get them to do something uh but i will say that on here something i'm pointing out is a good comment that you put there but i hear what i'm what i want to point out is that in every version that i've went through for this particular verse it says bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food 
or meat in my house. It says everyone don't say food. Everyone says food. Everyone says meat. It doesn't say money. It says specifically food. And we're going to take a look into why that is uh, specifically why it says it this way. Any other comments on this one or questions? All right. This may end up a little bit controversial on both sides, wh whichever side you sit on this. Next one. So, again, I want you to pay attention to that. So, uh, he's talking about food, and he says, will a man rob God? Or basically saying, will these, these pagan people, do they go and rob their temples? Do they go and rob their, their, their pagan gods? And, of course, they don't. And he says, but you are robbing me. And he says in this way, by neglecting the tithes and offerings. So moving forward, we'll take a look at something similar. So Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 8 through 11 says, The priests did not ask, where is the Lord? The experts in the law no longer knew me, and the leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and followed useless idols. Therefore, I will contend with you again declares the Lord, and I will bring a case against your children's children. Cross over to the coast of Cyprus. Take a look. Send to Keter and consider carefully. See if there has ever been anything like this. Has a nation ever changed its gods, though they're not gods at all? Yet my people have exchanged their glory for useless idols. So here he's saying something kind of similar here in the sense to, he is saying, go and take a look at these pagan, these pagan countries. Look at what my people have done. They are prophesying by Baal, by a whole nother God, a whole nother God. They switched gods. He says, but go and, and, and go and research, do your history and see if any other nation has done this. Has any other nation switched from the current gods that they, from the gods they've always used to some other type of God? He said, he said, they don't do it, even though those aren't even gods. But my people have exchanged their God for these idols. Questions or comments on this so far? Again, the question is about should churches track believers giving? If so, how far should accountability go? Uh, so we're going to get all the way to at least my thoughts on this. So continuing on in this track. So, yeah, I want to show that that he is saying something similar to what he said back in Malachi when he said, will a, will a mere mortal rob? god god or gods well the pagans do that the pagans don't do it and so why are you doing it and then he says the same thing kind of here so moving forward we have here numbers chapter 18 verses 23 verses 23 to 24 it says the levites are to perform the work of the tent of meeting and they must bear their iniquity this is a permanent statute for the generations to come. The, Le the Levites will not receive an inheritance among the Israelites, for I have given to the Levites as their inheritance the tithe that the Israelites present to the Lord as a contribution. That is why I told them that they would not receive an inheritance among the Israelites. So again, we're going back to that Malachi verse where it says that uh, you are robbing me. And then he goes on to say, uh, to bring in the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. So here is where we're, we're starting to find out more, a little bit more information about that. He says for the, for, for the uh, Levites, for the priest, he says, 
that's their inheritance. Their inheritance is the tithe that the Israelites present to the Lord. So the people are given this tithe, this which was which was mostly food offerings to the Lord. They're given these tithes to the Lord. And then the Lord then gives it to the Levites. So then he will say, that's why he would say back in Malachi or in Malachi, Malachi, you are robbing me because literally what's supposed to be given to me is not given to me and not, and therefore is not given to the priest. Questions or comments on this so far? All right. And yeah, maybe it will be a quick one. All right. Let's take a look at another one. Ezekiel chapter 44 verses 25 through 30 says a priest must not defile himself by going near a dead person. However, for a father, a mother, a son, a daughter, a brother or an unmarried sister, he may do so. And after he is cleansed, he must count off seven days for himself. And on the day he goes into the sanctuary, into the inner court to minister in the sanctuary, he must present his sin offering declares the Lord God in regard to their inheritance. I am their inheritance. You are to give them no possession in Israel for I am their possession. They shall eat the grain offerings, the sin offerings and the guilt offerings. Everything in Israel devoted to the Lord will belong to them. The best of all the first fruits and of every contribution from all your offerings will belong to the priests. You are to give your first batch of dough to the priests so that a blessing may rest upon your homes. So again, in Ezekiel, we're just kind of doubling down on that, that he says in regard to their inheritance, he is their inheritance. The Lord is their inheritance. So they receive no inheritance other than the Lord. So they don't receive land. They don't receive the benefits that the other Israelites uh, receive, but they receive the inheritance of the Lord, which, which is by and large should be much better. Then he would go on to say, everything in Israel devoted to the Lord will belong to them. So again, this is talking about the tithes and offerings that were given to the Lord. They were for the priest. It was to continue the ministry of the priest. Questions or comments on this so far? All right. So what I was showing here, what I want to show here is that that very verse that is used uh, from everything that I can find is specifically speaking about the offerings, the uh, the tithes and offerings that went to the Lord, which was food offerings. That's what I that's what I can see. The best I can tell it was it was it was it was guilt offerings. It was uh, it was several different offerings they would do. And then the priest would live off of that. They would eat off of that, which is why in every I would say in every version I looked at, it said meat or food in my house in my storehouse and it was there for the priest that's what they would eat off of them in their household would eat off of this food that was their inheritance from the lord they didn't receive land that was their inheritance so we may have been misapplying this this particular verse when it comes to actual ties as far as money is concerned any questions or comments on that so far What you got, man? So, and you may be going over the verses. So, um, there, I, I don't re really remember in the Old Testament. I know at least one time when they're building the tabernacle, they took up a monetary offering, offering. But then in Jesus' time, they watched 
he he was sitting there watching people give offerings. So, um, are you going to talk about that or or no? Yes, we are. In fact, we'll jump into that right now. Uh, so that was all the Old Testament. Let's get into the New Testament. Next up, let's go into Matthew chapter 23, verses 23 through 24. And it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You pay tithes of mint, dill, and cumin, but you have disregarded the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. So a lot is going on here. Uh, so uh, Jesus is speaking to the, to the uh, scribes and the Pharisees, calling them hypocrites because they are doing a portion of the law. They're, they're paying a tithe. They make sure to pay a tithe of the most even minuscule things that they have mint in this deal. Uh, the, the, the most smallest things that they have, they make sure that they pay a tenth of it to make sure that, that goes into the Lord's storehouse. Again, all this is food for that reason, right? For the priest. They make certain that they do that, but they neglect justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Then Jesus goes on to say, you should have practiced both of them. You should have did the, the, the most smallest things of the letter which is which is the I mean you did the most I mean you made certain that you gave the most minuscule I mean like mint I'm talking about we're talking about spices even a tenth of the spices you're 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 given he said that is you were supposed to do that that's exactly what you're supposed to do however you're completely disregarding the weightier matters of the of the law which when people say it, this is a whole offshoot when people say that you know all sin is the same this just lets us know it's not because he's he tells us this, this portion of the law is weightier than the other. It, it holds more weight than the other, which is justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Then he goes on to explain all this. He says, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. And the best way I can, I can explain this or understand it anyway, is that, uh, so if they have some type of oil or if they have, or, or, or wine or whatever the case may be, they take very careful care. Very, they according to Jesus, they, they would take very careful care to make sure that there was no gnat in any of this that they were about to consume. Because if it was a gnat, a gnat is considered unclean, so they're not going to take anything unclean. However, so is a camel. A camel is unclean. He says you would you would make you would take care to make sure there's not this tiny little gnat in there, which you should do. However, you would swallow a whole camel, no problem. And so he's saying the camel is the more weightier thing. Like, is this is more important at this point? Questions or comments on this so far? Again, just like to point out that the ties, at least that he's referring here, looks to be a food or food products. Uh, and but he does say it should still be done. Now again, he's talking to the Pharisees, right? Moving on. First Corinthians chapter 16, verses one through three says, this is Paul speaking. He says, now about the collection for the saints, you are to do as I directed the churches of Galatia. On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a portion of his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will be needed. 
Then on my arrival, I will send letters with those you recommend to carry your gift to Jerusalem. Uh, so he's talking about the collection of the saints for the saints, for the saints. There is, uh, this is Paul speaking about, he says the first day of the week, so he's talking about Sunday. So when they come together on Sunday, he's saying he's going to visit soon. And that when he does visit, he says, I want you to go ahead and be doing this every Sunday. So that whenever, whenever I do visit, you don't have to rush and put all this stuff together to get this together. Because he's about to actually take this money to someone else, to some other people that are in need of it. And he said, when I get there, I want it to already be ready. I don't want I don't want you guys to have to do like a special collection at this point. It should already be ready. Questions or comments on this so far? I bring this up because, of course, this is another scripture that, that is used. It's, this says, hey, this needs to be done every Sunday. But I want to point out that at least for this, this was for a specific reason. So uh, we're going to take a look at that reason, actually. Romans chapter 15, verses 25 through, uh, through 28 says, Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem to serve the saints there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it. And indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual blessings, they are obligated to minister to them with material blessings. So after I have completed this service and I've safely delivered this bounty to them, I will set off to Spain by, by way of you. So Paul is uh, is speaking about this, these people he's about to go bring this bounty to. And he is speaking to uh and saying that hey, I already know that you're gonna have this ready. Uh it, well, he, well, not not that's not that part, it's not what I'm part of getting to yet. He's saying on here, he's saying that these people were pleased to do it, and it says he that they owed them to they owed it to him. Talking about from what I understand, Gentiles, which is us, uh, it says Gentiles, we shared in there talking about Jews specifically. Uh, it seems like specifically Jews that have converted, that have believed that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. So we shared in their spiritual blessings. So we are obligated to minister to them with material blessings, like actual monetary or, or actual money for them. This is what Paul says. Questions or comments on this so far? So are you saying this this monetary money, are, are, is it? Ties according to the Gentiles, or it's something else. This is, from what I understand, it's not ties at all. I think this is just offerings. Just offerings, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that ties. From, I mean, I, I don't know that tithing in and of itself is a thing or a a demand of of Christians. It's probably a little bit more than than just a tenth. Again, tithing then was, at least from what I can tell, was mainly about food. What you got, G? So is tithing still required? Because I think that's what you're just saying. Uh, but to give me more clarity, is tithing still required or is it offerings are still required or are they both? Well, I'm going to read this one part right quick. It says right here, it says... <laughs> It says uh, they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. 
For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual blessings, they are obligated to minister to them with material blessings. So that's what I have here. But tithing in and of itself, from what I understand of what it was in the Old Testament, does not necessarily fall as far as a law that needs to be done in that type of way amongst the, uh, uh, amongst the believers of Jesus Christ. However, uh, we'll find out that uh, offerings are still to be done. Offer, and and we'll, we'll take a look at what Scripture says about that. But no, as far as just regular tithing, I was a big proponent of of that. Uh, ben knows this, uh, uh, and and truthfully, if it's on if if it's on you to give, you should give what you are what has been placed on your heart. You should absolutely give. You should absolutely do that. But I think I'm getting ahead of myself on this. But some good comments on this. Welcome, Veronica. So we're going to uh, let's continue on with it. Getting good. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 7 says, Now about the service to the saints, there is no need for me to write to you, for I know your eagerness to help. And I have been boasting to the Macedonians that since last year, you and Achaia were prepared to give, and your zeal has stirred most of them to do likewise. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove empty, but that you will be prepared just as I said. Otherwise, if any Macedonians can't come with me and find you unprepared, we, to say nothing of you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you beforehand and make arrangements for, uh, for, this, uh, for the bountiful gift you had promised. This way, your gift will be prepared generously and not begrudgingly. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not out of regret or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So a lot has happened here. I, I include that first part because this is actually connected to those uh, first few verses, or not first few, but the, the, uh, the prior few verses when uh, Paul was speaking about coming uh, uh, when we come together on Sundays to have this collection done prior to his arrival so that it'd be ready. This is actually connected to that because he's actually going to go deliver this money to these saints, these poor people that need it in Jerusalem. And so he's telling, so he's telling these people, hey, I'm, I'm urging you, be prepared beforehand so that I won't be embarrassed if, if we show up and you guys are not prepared. Then he goes on to say, which is key, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I think that is the, the most important part of this. And that's not just with um, within the church walls, I guess. This is just in life, period. Uh, this is, uh, I, I, I truly believe, this is what's on the believer. That whether you give or you do not give, this is the response of it. If you give, then you will generously receive. You'll reap, you'll reap generously. Then he goes on to say that you shouldn't be compelled into this. You, you shouldn't be, uh, you, sh you shouldn't be guilted into doing this. You should do it because you decided to do it in your heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Questions or comments on this so far? 
So what happens with their obligation? That's up to uh, them and, and, and Paul at this point. <laughs> nice deflection. <laughs> what you got, Veronica? I just had like a common question. Like when someone's compelled, that's not, I mean, it could be someone, you know, kind of obligating someone, but also you can't control someone feeling compelled, right? Like not necessarily, but they're, 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 I mean, let's just be honest. They're, I mean, I get it. You know, churches, they're basically business. They, they you know, they, they, they got to make sure they keep the lights on and all this, all this stuff, right? Uh, but, and so it can become super easy to, whenever you start speaking about tithing offering to, uh, to kind of, you mean, you kind of not saying that they all do this at all, but there's kind of a bit of a, there can be a guilt trip behind it to get people to, you know, kind of give a little bit more. And we're told at least here that that, that shouldn't be the reason a person gives that if they give that that's, that's not the reason they should give if that makes sense. But you're right. We can't control their feelings. But it there is a bit of that that can happen when you're asking for it. Yeah, I just think sometimes people will make that excuse like, oh, you know, that's why I don't go to church because they just they you know they pass the offering or, or they. It's kind of like an excuse they that they're making them give when it's just like maybe just an offering, but they they're feeling like pressured into it because it's publicly done you know i've gone to um a church recently where they passed and they announced you know we're gonna do the offering my church does um the church that we go to you know they don't have a announcement or anything about it it's just a little box there that you know at your own time or leisure you can do that but i feel like some people will also make that excuses um you know the service compelling them to do it or making them or I agree with you, bro. That 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 uh, people will use that as an excuse, whether true or not. They will, will use any excuse to not have to be a part of church. That makes sense. What you got, Ben? Sorry, but then the, I also uh, remember you saying it's also a form of worship, right? Amen. So, um, this pleading of Paul for them to do it. Does that not could hit it? Could that not have fallen in the into this compulsion to do it? Because he basically commanded them to do it, you know, so that way he won't be embarrassed and all that kind of stuff. And so, how do you rectify that? I I do because they had already said they were going to do it. It's from what it sounds like here. It sounds like they were already planning on doing this. And so, basically, it's like, hey, you you said that you would do this. Now it's time that we're going to do this. That makes sense. That's that's the only thing I can justify by saying that's the difference here. And we'll see another scripture too. It kind of shows something similar to that. Great comments. What you got, G? You're muted if you're speaking. Yeah, I'll try to get to a quiet spot. Um, I'm not saying this is one of my many reasons well it, it probably is one of my many reasons why it's really hard for me to find a church here in san antonio uh, i think i've shared with you other things that the reasons why but 
uh, what type of advice would you give in terms of this? Because I see a lot of churches, they push the strong narrative of certain things that we covered in Bible study that we should be against. Not saying should we, you should be against tithing, but they push it as if it is a hard 110% fact and they, uh, they use scripture to make you feel a certain type of way. Uh, and I don't know, it, is, it just ruffles my feathers when I've taken the time to seek counsel on certain things that I feel may be misleading, but the churches just jam it <laughs> left and right. And it just makes me a little bit bothered just trying to, I guess, get some, some uh, guidance in this area. Well, for one, uh, for one, not all churches, let's, I, I just want to make sure we're not trying to paint it right. So not all churches are like this. Uh, two, like I say, I'm being realistic. I, if, if, if that wasn't preached or commanded upon all that stuff, 90% of churches wouldn't exist. Just to be honest, like they, they, they would not be in it. They wouldn't be in the church business. Uh, now that's, I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm just saying that that's, that's just how things are. Uh, two, I don't know that, like I said, I mean, two, I don't know what number I'm on right now, but I don't know that it's necessarily that all of them are being malicious in this. I think that most people are probably doing things because they believe that that's the way it's supposed to be. I don't think they're necessarily being malicious about it. Now, at the same time, that shouldn't stop any person from going to church. No church, that there's not going to be a church that you find that's just going to be perfect and does it exactly that I know. I mean, that maybe they exist, but that does it exactly how the scripture says. And if that church existed, it would probably look very cultish. It would probably not look at all like a church that probably most people would, not, would even want to go to if they actually did everything according to the way scripture says, exactly how the scripture says. So there's always going to be something there, but that shouldn't that shouldn't be an excuse to stay away from your fellow your fellow brothers and sisters if that makes sense just still go anybody else got anything else on this one remember god loves a cheerful giver he loves a cheerful giver not a uh He's, he, you know, he he kind he kind of likes a, a cheerful giver. And this is one of the few places where it says he loves this about a person. Continuing on. Acts chapter four, verses thirty-two through thirty-five says, "The multitude of believers was one in heart and soul. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything that they owned." With great power, the apostles continued to give their testimony about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. There was no needy ones among them, because those who owned lands or houses would sell their property, bring the proceeds from the sales, and lay them at the apostles' feet for distribution to anyone as he had need. Now, I'm bringing this up because um, this is... Uh, there is the early church. This is the early church. This is after Jesus died and resurrected. This is the early, the very early church. Remember, they were persecuted. They were not necessarily popular, not in a good way. And so they were, uh, some of them were scrapping to make it. 
And the people were so full of the love of God that they were selling their possessions and just sharing it with everybody, all the believers. Uh, don't know if that's what I mean by if if we went to a church like this, I don't know. I don't know who could how many people would actually be able to live in a church like this, where you know you would be certainly you'd be able to if you didn't have much of nothing. But if you had quite a bit, or even if you didn't have much nothing, that very little you have, you're giving to help someone else. Uh, that's that's a tough, this seems like a tough ask. But here we have, it says that they did this. And because they did this, not one person was with need because of this. Questions or comments on this so far? I'll say um, that. You know, it seems to me that the the breakdown in church and and it might possibly be a thing where you have to attend for a while to get the full teaching. But um, I was looking at what scripture. So instead of harping on giving in a church, um, you might harp on Luke fourteen. I just had it uh, starting at verse twenty five, um, where it talks about. Um, if a person is going to build a tower, they ought to sit down and count the cost of what that tower is going to cost to to build it. Otherwise, he might start the the tower and he's not able to finish, and then everyone will see it and everyone will mock him. And so, I think that's the um, that's that's the breakdown in church, in my opinion, is that you know people people come to God in a very um, how do I want to say it. In a very emotional way and they don't stop and count like what what does it really mean to follow god you know well to follow god according to all the scriptures that we that we're saying is it's going to cost our time and it's going to cost some of our money like we're obligated to those things you know and so um you know that to me that might be the breakdown of what we're finding here great comment great comment yeah, it, uh, count the cost. We we talked about this before. Counting the cost uh, for a different matter, but it does make it does make sense here. Is that uh, it's this to see to see this particular uh, scripture where these people gave up everything. I mean, just in love with what salvation brought them, and gave everything away is amazing to me. That is amazing, and I don't know, you know, my friend. Josh Norman would say Christianity in its purest form would not be tolerated in America. And I don't know, I don't know what country would tolerate something like this, living, living in this kind of way. But what happened in this is that there was no one in need. There was no one in need amongst the people because this was done, because in the actual love of their neighbor, not one neighbor was in need. I thought, I think that's amazing. But then this goes well beyond regular old tithes and offerings. This is on, this is way on the other extreme of this. But I bring this up for a reason though. What you got, Ben? Yeah, this is sowing um, not sparingly, right? <laughs> right, right. This is, this is giving it all. And, and it, I love it. I mean, I don't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it that I, that I feel, I feel I can't do it. But I, I, I can't help but but see 
the faith that these people had and the joy that they had to do this. Now, amongst the people that were doing this, there's still somebody in there that's going to act the way he ain't supposed to act. So let's go to Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And it says, this is continuing on from that, that previous verse we just had. It says, now a man that named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back some of the proceeds for himself but brought a portion and laid it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and withhold some of the proceeds from the land? Did it not belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? How could you conceive such a deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. On hearing these words, Ananias fell down and died. And great fear came over all who heard what had happened. Then the young man stepped forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife also came in, unaware of what had happened. Tell me, said Peter, is this the price you and your husband got for the land? Yes, she answered. That's the price. How could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Peter replied, look. The feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that instant, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came over the whole church and all who heard about these events. So uh, think about how we started this. <laughs> think about how we started this whole night. This this conversation about tithing into where we're at now people are dying people are dying at this point right this ain't the old testament this is the new testament so to kind of flesh out what's happening here this uh ananias and his did this with his wife said hey we're going to you remember so this previous verse they were talking about all the people sold their land and their property and, and, and laid it at the feet of the apostles and the apostles uh spread it out as needed right to all the needy then so the these Ananias and his wife Sapphira is there. They're amongst these people. They sold they sold their property, but they didn't give the correct price of what they received for that property. They kept some for themselves. But what I want to pull out, uh, what I want to really pull out from here is that Peter said, "Did it not belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal?" In other words, you didn't even have to do this. You didn't even have to give any of it. You didn't have to. You didn't have to do. You didn't have to lie about it. You could have gave whatever you wanted to give, but you lied about it. And when you lied about it, then this you actually lied to God. And the reason why we know this is because he asked his wife that. He said, "Is this the price you and your husband got for the land?" And she said, "Yeah, that's that's the price." It continued on with the lie, not knowing, of course, what had just happened. What you got, G? Why did this type of I was I want I want to call it harsh, but there was no delay to God's wrath. Of course, when you read these texts, like people just dropping dead in the midst of sentences. Uh, when did that change? Because now, of course, people could swindle you out of your money, and uh, knowing that they're you know they're swindling you, 
and you know the scripture that talks about because this uh because i guess discipline for uh sin is delayed just that scripture within itself it seems like of course now it's delayed but back then it was just so it was like in your face uh what changed why did it now be more or less prolonged ben you going to answer that Beer? No? Okay. I, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Um, yes, so at least the way I, I perceive it is it's because um, this group of people that were in the midst here, it appears they were truly righteous people, right? And so, and, you know, this is just my take on it. So, like, everybody was doing this thing, and God was blessing them in such a way, and then there was a snake in the grass over here, and so on it, it appears on behalf of the righteous, he took them out. So that way a little leaven doesn't spoil the whole bunch. So maybe we don't see that now uh, because of a lack of righteousness. Maybe. Oh, wow. That's a good comment. I'm going to say I don't necessarily believe that Ananias was not saved. I, I think that he was saved all the way through the end and still is saved. I just think that this was used for an example, because it says specifically, and great fear came over the whole church and all who heard about these events. I, I think it serves as an example. I don't necessarily believe that, that that he was unsaved. I just think that it just serves for us as an example. Also, as far as your first, what your question was saying is, is uh, why doesn't this stuff happen now? You know, if a person comes to swindle you, whatever. The one difference I will say here is that uh, th they didn't lie to men they lied to the holy spirit specifically don't know how that works out but it says specifically you lied to god what you got g um i, I refreshing a scripture for me but i remember uh patch is speaking about there's weeds amongst i guess like the good fruit or i mean i, I guess like in the garden there's weeds and he says should we pl pluck the weeds and he's like no leave them um but in this passage, it seems that it doesn't, it's okay to remove the the weeds and the thorns amongst the good. So I'm guessing this is before that time of him saying, leave the thorns and the weeds amongst the good. Well, yeah, and I see you, Ben. I, it, it is, but again, like I said, I'm not certain that this is a weed. I just, I, I just think you're just someone who feeling the harsh punishment. And, uh, and, and they fell dead right then and there because judgment starts with the church. It don't start with the outside world. It starts with the church. And, and that's what we saw just happen right then. What you got, Ben? So um, I, I agree with you. You know, maybe even though I call him a snake in grass, maybe he, it doesn't say that he isn't saved. So there's a good possibility he is. But if he is a weed, it doesn't apply to that parable. To that parable it appears the angels wanted to go down and do it. And I think we had talked about maybe the angels aren't able to tell the difference between wheat and tear, but this one, the Holy spirit is involved. And so the Holy spirit or, or God or who, whoever it is, like however it is, he died. Um, it appears to be God doing it. Right. And so God knows the difference between the wheat and the tares. Amen.
great comments on this. Probably didn't think we were going to go this route. Uh, but yeah. So, this is a great comments on here. So, uh, again, just a, a, a quick little summary before I go to, to the last scripture I have here. Uh, I'm not seeing as far as tithing in and of itself what it was, which appeared to almost exactly deal with food for the priest. I'm not necessarily seeing that, but I do see a much higher standard for uh for uh offerings in the New Testament, as we can see here. What you got, Ben? So is um so a lot of the, the tithes and offerings that they did were sacrifice based, but at some point that was done away with. So did it do you think so we made a comment about the Gentiles and, and their monetary giving and that sort of thing. So did that change for the Jewish people or are they still supposed to sacrifice a tenth, even though there's already been a sacrifice? I don't believe it's changed for them uh, just because what what Jesus would say, he said, he said, you should you should have not neglected one. You should have did both of them. You should you should you should still do this. Again, like I say, I don't, I'm not, I'm not 100 certain if that means that that stopped for them at some point. But I don't, I don't necessarily know that it does. If they're, if they're still living under the law, if they claim to live under the law, they still have to abide by it. As far as I, as far as I understand. So did did Paul have to tithe? No, Paul would not have to, because he, he he's 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 like us. Okay, that makes sense. So so he wouldn't have to, but the but the Jews would. And far as I know, it's up to today. Like they, they have to continue. If they claim to be under the law, they'd have to still act as if they're under the law. What you got, G? Is this why Jesus tithed when he said, because if it doesn't, so we don't offend them, we do this. So was that just a, a, a certain moment that he was speaking about? Yeah. What's a temple tax? Tell, tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so he didn't. He, he uh, there wasn't a tithing. That, that, he didn't tithe. That was a tax, and, uh, and, and so the tax does not apply to him. He said it. He said the tax does not apply to me. I'm the son of the king. He said he's the son of the king. Does, does the son of the king get get uh, get taxed? And it's like no, he doesn't. He said, but so do we. Don't offend them. Go in and, and fetch this coin out of this uh this this fish's mouth and pay that for for all of us. So what was the temple tax? I don't re really remember what that was. I don't remember honestly. I don't. I do know that as they were building it uh throughout time, you know, because the, the temple would get destroyed and built again, destroyed. Uh, then whenever they were building it again, they would they would collect uh these offerings and these taxes for from people. To uh to build it up to to literally build it back to where it was before uh, the Lord delivered it to the Gentiles and then it, they got it got destroyed and then He pulled them back and they were able to get into it again and start rebuilding again. So they would use this they would use this tax uh to, to uh, the money from it and at some point they actually stopped and said, Hey, tell the people stop bringing by money. We have more than enough to complete the job. So it's like the world's first HOA fee. I guess so. Definitely want to be in that HOA. I tell you that. So, so yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, and I actually I can definitely be missing something here, uh, but that's from what I'm seeing as far as just what regular ties is. 
is is uh but i will say like i say that offerings uh, like we're held to a much higher <laughs> i don't like the way it's going we're held to a much higher standard a much higher standard in fact let's take a look at one more this is the scariest part of this whole lesson of this whole lesson because remember the question was uh two is two parts that should churches track believers giving if so how far should accountability go can't answer that but what i will say is this when we look at this very last scripture it says in mark chapter 12 verses 41 through 44 it says as jesus was sitting opposite the treasury he watched the crowd putting money into it and many rich people put in large amounts then one poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which amounted to a small fraction of a denarius jesus called his disciples to him and said truly i tell you this poor widow has put more than all the others into the treasury for they all con contributed contributed out of their surplus but she out of her poverty has put in all she had to live on now a couple of things i want to point out one we like to focus on this part where it says this 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 lady this poor lady she gave all and, it, and that should be the focus that that should be a that, that's a teachable moment i also like to teach on this is that when jesus said that she gave all all she had to live on i noticed he didn't say man she shouldn't have did that like it was literally like that'll do <laughs> like that that that's good that you did good i just thought that was interesting he didn't say oh don't go give everything you got to live on he didn't say that he commended her for doing it now the most important part is of this is what veronica said he was watching he was watching people put money he was paying attention to the people that are putting money in the treasury that's the scariest part of this whole lesson tonight is that jesus was watching people put money in the treasury i just thought that was highly interesting and scary at the same time questions or comments on this so far what you got ben we had talked about this years ago i think but you know i i can't think of another time where jesus did anything in the temple other than act, you know, like he, he whipped people out of the temple and he read scrolls. Like the few times that it says that he went there, he was doing something. And the fact that this is the point where he stopped and was paying attention, not that he wasn't paying attention to the rest of it, but it, it specifically says like he was, he's just sitting there watching the people. So I agree that it's just like you know, the last person in history you want to watch you do anything is probably Jesus, you know, because it's, unless you're like this lady it's probably not going to end up well amen amen what you got alexis i um i was just gonna say what about like when um i do this very often if i see somebody on the street corner i give them money is that is he watching that too what is is that just considered a gift an offering what is that somewhere it says somewhere it is written it says the person who gives to the poor lends to the lord so you are literally lending as weird as it sounds money to god so uh no there's no way that's a bad thing that i can see in any kind of way lex you have something else yes and, and i know a lot of people are always like i'm not gonna give money to people on the corner you you don't know they're gonna use it for drugs and i always this is always my thing that's between them and god I did my part. 
Amen. That's a great way to look at it. If God puts it on your heart to give to a person, you give and get out the way. Don't go all of a sudden be like, well, let me now all of a sudden my discernment kicked in, even though my discernment has been horrible my entire life. Now, all of a sudden it's spot on. <laughs> so now, should I give money to this person or should I not? No. Now, all of a sudden you're coveting your own money. If God put it on your heart to give a person, organization, whatever money, then you should do it. Otherwise, you are sinning, I believe, at that point. So, yes, if you're if you're told to give money, if you feel that on your heart to do it, then just do it and get out the way. What you got, G? See, that's my situation. Like, I personally keep cash in my car um, or in my wallet now because <clears throat> I hate carrying cash. But and since my conviction, I don't want to call it conviction, just my I, I call it conviction. Uh, a few years ago, just. I get sad when I see uh, homeless people and I, and I may not even have a lot of uh, coins to even rub together, but I would rather give because I think it was you who kind of started to speak that word of if it's on your heart to give, it's already theirs. And then I don't want to feel like I'm robbing them from what it's already theirs. Uh, so I find myself in that situation all the time. Uh, so yeah, I understand that. Amen. Amen. And that, that is true. It says, it says the good that is due them, meaning it, it belongs to them at this point. It is, it already, it already belongs to them. Like that's not even your money anymore. If it's placed on your heart, it's not even yours. God already gave it to him. He already gave it to him. Now lend that money to God so that it can be given to them. And then he is a faithful. I mean, if there's any person that that's a great uh, person that, uh, uh, that, that pays their bills, I would think is him. And so you would, you would, that, that is it's completely fine to, uh, to like I say, to do what is on your heart, do it and get out the way. Otherwise, like, there's no sense in even living, even with the sense of even halfway guilt, uh, if you, if you don't do such things. Uh, G, you still got your hands up. You got something else? So, what I no, wanted to also, are oh, you good? What I also wanted to point out is that, uh, these people that, that gave money at this treasury. So this is another thing that's important to see because all up until now, we were talking about tithing and his food, right? That's what it, that's everything we're showing. It's showing about his food here. He's at the, he's, he's here. And these, and this is a collection of actual money, actual money is being put in here. We don't know exactly uh, the amounts per se, but we can see that there is a range of it, obviously, by the way that Jesus remarked about it. And, uh, and of those who contributed out of their surplus, uh, I don't know if there's, I'll, maybe there's a commendation somewhere. There, I don't know. But what was more impressive was, was the woman that gave everything. So what I want to pay attention to is the tithe, which is literally meaning the tenth, a tenth. Uh, so people were giving money. We don't know, according to this, exactly how much that was. But... They gave money, and then this woman came and gave 100%. She came and gave everything, and she was commended because of that. She she was commended because she gave everything. But I just want to pay attention, uh, I guess, to point out is that apparently there's a range of what these people were putting into this treasury. But here we have for certain that these at this particular setting, 
money was get being put into the treasury. What you got, Ben? Um, I heard a few years ago on a, on a podcast or something, somebody was telling a story about um, they were, their family used to live in, in Russia and um, during the Cold War and all that kind of stuff. And the um, U.S. government traded uh, food to the Russian government in exchange for these Jewish people to get out of Russia. And they, um, you know, it, it took them, you know, weeks and months to get from Russia to the U.S., and said this this one old man, uh, the, the guy that's telling the story it was his grandfather. He said he came into um, New York, and as soon as the plane landed, he said we need to go to the synagogue. He's like, okay, so they went to the synagogue, and he went in, and he had like one hundred fourteen dollars or something to his name, and he gave all of it to the synagogue, and everybody else in the family is like, what the heck is like? That's literally all the money that you had. That that's all we had left, you know, to live on. He's like, um, I've lived in Soviet Russia all my life and have never been able to give to the Lord. So now that I'm here and I'm able to, that's what I'm going to give. And like that, it just reminds me of this story where it's just like, like he he has a family to support and feed and all that kind of stuff. But he worshiping the Lord was literally better than having to worry about that. You know. Amen. And that and that is a faith that that's that's for real faith that that is that takes for real faith to do something like this we can all say how much faith we have but ain't too many people doing something like that given their last give, given their last uh and that is for real faith and this and and this person you're talking about did it this woman did it and we don't know what happened with this woman afterwards we we, we don't know uh, we like to think, oh, you know, she was taken care of and all this stuff. We don't know. Uh, she she may have died shortly after that. But what we do know is for all of eternity, for all of eternity, she was commended by the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever she receives in the next world has got to be tremendous. And so uh, it's, it, but that's faith. That's faith to not be able to actually see that that's what this is going to do for me. That that's, that I do this because this is, this is how I show, this is how I worship. This is how I show my appreciation. And she gave it all. And, and no telling how long, honestly, no telling how long she's been doing it. I mean, she may, she may, she may do it often and somehow she keeps coming up with more. But uh, I do find it interesting that he didn't say, you should not do this. He, he didn't say that. So whenever people ask me about, you know, giving to the poor, uh, because I never saw anywhere where, where where Jesus or the Lord says said uh you know be close fist about this in the Old Testament it says you are to open your hand wide to your needing to your needy neighbor not be careful and take and take you know make take notice of what you're what you're doing it says, it says open up wide if you can do it do it and uh and and that's tough because that's where uh <laughs> a lot of people in Christianity start to split like now I don't know about all that. But that's what I mean. That's what I mean by saying it has a higher standard. It had, uh, in in the New Testament, there's a higher standard uh, to uh, to actual offerings, if that makes sense. And that's all I had on this on this question. What you got, Alexis? This just makes me think of when we talk about the narrow path. How very few people get in at, when I hear stuff like this, because 
we are like these things we're supposed to you know be so selfless but some people just can't so that just makes me always think of the narrow path always amen amen and then i think what's worse is that uh even though as g said earlier that if it's put a place on your heart to do it it already belongs to them uh we want the uh to see them being thankful to us <laughs> for, for giving our hard-earned money to them like like you know if they if how and don't let it be someone who just looks ungrateful or just you know doesn't care like is then we buy if we get irked at something like that then we're truly showing our intent we wanted some of that glory this, this is not about jesus increasing and me de decreasing this is both of us let's both increase together <laughs> so and so that's what i said let's just just do it and get out the way like whether they uh, uh, appreciate you or not what you got g so if we were to do a good deed to someone who's in need so that they understand we're doing it because <laughs> we're spiritually obligated right um should we announce that so that they don't give you praise or like how should you go across it so that it's not about something that you did? It's more or less something that got put inside. You don't have to announce anything. I don't think, uh, it, it, unless they say, uh, you know, start giving praise to to you. I would probably say this: all this goes to the Lord. It is from Him. It, it, you know, this. Uh, but outside of that, I don't think you need to just just do what you gotta do, move on, and then perhaps. If it's not then later it'll come to recall whether they're saved or not at their judgment this is the kindness of god this is what he did this is who he sent along your path we're just vessels and that's it in this whole situation the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.